What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And we are back with a death trash. <laughs> I guess. I mean, yeah. we're still not convinced it's an actual death threat, but all right, whatever. <laughs> oh, I mean, everything about this shoddy operation is inaccurate. Like the, the most ramshackle fucking thing I've ever come across. This whole like, thing from start to finish. <laughs> everything about this crime makes no sense. No, oh God, On many levels. Oh, like, look at <laughs> If you've come here for sense, you are going to be disappointed. Oh, that should be the motto of this podcast <laughs> and this book series as a whole. Accurate. Well, we cannot start with uh, taglines and blurbs because we did all that last time, but mm. we can start with the cover. Now, first of all, we'll have the boring old British cover. Can, fest. Oh, can you describe it, please? Yes, well, we have our standard silky background. That's of fine. Uh, and then it's just like a bunch of dollars. It's it's a bunch of 20s, like kind of all stacked up, uh, scattered around. There's a big old like uh, mobile phone. It's like an old mobile oh. or something. You know, the big proper brick type ones. The um, cellular phone. That's the one. Uh, so that's sitting on top of all the, the pile of money. And then there's like the chain of a necklace is kind of strewn across, but there's no like oh, pendant yeah. or locket, which I guess this is what it's meant to be. Uh, uh, echoing uh, mm. from early on in the book when uh, Jeremy rips the fucking locket off of Sue. <laughs> uh, and then there's like these little very fake uh, petals from like clearly a fake flower uh, just kind of scattered across for reasons. Ooh. Who knows? <laughs> they are, because I could just see a very low res version of this mm. cover from like that's on eBay. And I thought that might be the necklace, but no, just random petals. Yeah, it's random petals. I feel like we've had random petals on some of the other covers as well in this series. And they they didn't make sense then and they don't make (laughs) sense now. (laughs) Just something in the photographer's bag of props. They just had them there. They were like, this needs something else. (laughs) Throw in some (laughs) shitty looking petals. Ooh. (laughs) Well, this cover may be boring, but you know what isn't boring? (laughs) Oh and that is Cressida Burton's magnificent tableau. I mean, I, I, I don't know how 
you do it, Cressida. It's <laughs> so good. It's just oh consistently God. so fucking good. Like, I, I, I where I, do I even begin? Where to start? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Like, there's even two backdrops to create the split screen sort of montage effect. It's amazing. There's even, I've actually only just noticed the the picture frame that's been drawn in the background to mirror the witch in in the Wakefield house. Like, this is stunning attention to detail. I'm in awe, honestly. (laughs) Oh, same. Like, can you, can you try and describe it? Oh, God. We have have our, 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 uh, our, the Cindy doll who who has been established as Sue quite well by now. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> tied to a chair. She's wearing her little black witch's outfit. She is tied to the chair with like a teeny little piece of twine that looks like a rope. It's so good. <laughs> black chair like on the cover. Incredible. So yeah, black chair. She is all draped in black tied to the chair and like it's really it's It's things like the menacing hands in the foreground with an old phone (laughs) looming towards her and hats (laughs) off to both Cressida and her hand model hunk, Mr. B, uh, who unfortunately now thinks she's unhinged. But (laughs) like, oh my God, it's so good. It's incredible like uh it's a motorola razor actually is what's doing the uh the job of the, mm-hmm. uh, the cellular phone like, <laughs> what a blast from the past that is like oh my god it's uh, and what can you describe the other side? Yes, of... because of course this is just one half of the picture. Because <laughs> on the other side, we do in fact have uh a much better looking Jeremy, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> better hair. Uh, and he's accompanied by Jess and Liz and we do have like a proper Jessica doll in the background watching this all unfold uh, and I think we possibly have Barbie standing in for for Liz like uh, <laughs> in her little uh, SVH jacket and oh actually the uh, the alt text for this on Twitter is also uh, worth reading uh, so actually Cressida's <laughs> own description is a copy of Sweet Valley High book uh, 110 Death Threat is seen alongside a recreation of its front cover made with dolls the scene depicted shows a dark haired Cindy dressed in a witch costume and lashed to a chair in a forest cabin her ex-fiance <laughs> modelled by a Troy from high school musical Ken doll is now chatting on the phone to the kidnapper with his new fiance a far too cheerful Jessica Wakefield doll and her twin sister Elizabeth a Barbie a vintage <laughs> 1990s phone held by a manly hand looms large in the foreground. It's all a bit bonkers, to be honest. I mean, bonkers are magnificent. It's not like I swear to God, that alt text description is better written than like this entire series. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, yes. Cressida um, does say uh, she doesn't feel it's her best work. Oh, you're too harsh on yourself. She says, I only have one blonde doll. So Mrs. Hare is actually Barbie's. <laughs> Barbie's horse's tail. Oh my god. Oh my god, that is amazing. But that just shows the levels of fucking ingenuity at play here because like wh- who would have ever thought? <laughs> That's amazing. I applaud you, Cressida. You are just knocking it out of the park consistently and oh my god, I love this so much. <laughs> she, she also says uh all the dolls look far too happy as usual. Typical. <laughs> And that she gave Jess a cup of coffee just to show how little she cares about Sue. It says that the new Randy Randall is a Troy High School musical. Ken, Ken Dolls, who musically again, I picked up for a quid in a charity shop. 
Oh, yes. I've started <gasps> investing in these horrors now. Oh, my God. I I need to see the, the prop cabinet or the prop drawer because oh. I just feel like it's a treasure trove of good shit. <laughs> I, I both want to see it and don't want to be surprised. I, I no, want to be surprised. I don't want to yeah. be spoiled for future no, ep- episodes. But, oh, God. Just... It's, Seriously, it's so good. It's we'll so put good. it back on Twitter and on Instagram, but this is I cannot underest overestimate or overstate. Yes. How I'm speechless with You need to go and see it, is basically the bottom line here. You need to go on Twitter or go on Instagram. If you don't have either of them, just 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 go there anyway. You can probably have a look without <laughs> logging in because my God, it just you have to see it, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cressida. We appreciate these <laughs> unhinged tableau so much. And this, I know you said it wasn't your best work, but I think you're just getting better and better every mm. with every book. 100%. Yeah. And obviously so much better than both the inspiration and the crappy UK covers that we got here. Oh boy. Yeah. Agreed. Well, from the sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> Let us begin. I was going to say the last half, but it's actually more like the last third of Death Thresh. Um, And we begin with Todd. He's all worried about Liz and he's like, maybe she was grounded. And then goes, grounded from school. What was he thinking? Like, what indeed, Todd? Um, But then he gets a call from Lila. He does. And he has to to try to stop himself from sounding so incredibly disappointed that it is in fact Lila and not Liz ringing him. Uh, Because at the end of our last episode, Lila uh, has jumped to the conclusion that the Wakefields are all being held hostage um, because she couldn't figure out what Jessica was saying down the phone to her when she was trying to explain the situation. While like everybody else was in the room, it was ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) So so, so Lila starts the conversation and she's like, the Wakefields are being held hostage. And Todd at first is like, what are you talking about? You're being ridiculous. Um, But it's such a silly conversation because that's how she starts. She's like, the Wakefields are being held hostage. He's like, what are you talking about? The Wakefields are being held hostage. Lila repeated, the Wakefields are being held hostage. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, are we just looking for a word count hit here? Like, what is going on? This ghostwriter was 100% trying to hit a word count because there is so (laughs) much filler and padding like oh entire descriptions about Alice's cake <laughs> like serving it's just <laughs> preposterous so true but yeah so this conversation goes on for a bit but basically Lila convinces Todd that this is in fact what's happening because she explains Indeed. about how Alice was being all weird and squirrely earlier that day Ned was all gruff on the phone and uh, no one's seen the twins all day or like well she saw Jess briefly through a window or whatever but anyway she convinces Todd that something weird is going on so he wants to call Liz uh, and she insists that he can't uh, because they might provoke the kidnapper. And she said, okay. maybe, we call the, maybe we should call the police. And Todd is like, oh, I don't think the police would come without any evidence. And we also know by now the police are absolutely fucking useless in this town anyway. So well, kind of yeah. have to give them that, I suppose. <laughs> so they, they decide they're going to go check it out for themselves. Uh, so Lila says that her and Robbie are going to pick him up in 15 minutes. So Lila turns up at Robbie's house. We get a reminder of how fucking stupid their fights are because it's not until she gets to his house Mm. she remembers that they're actually not speaking but um, (laughs) she needs his help because they need somebody to sort of be a lookout come getaway driver while they're um, checking out the house and she Mm -hmm. knows she can trust him. So he's surprised to see her but he does follow her straight away to the car and then when they're in the car they both do the whole I'm sorry, no I'm sorry and I have to say, I was relieved to see that Robbie apologises for actually 
trying to, you know, tell her she couldn't um, pose naked. Mm. Yeah. For like Nobody mentions the fact that if her whole story was true about her dad's friend, it would be incredibly creepy. Oh, that's so great. Like, those two situations were absolutely not comparable in any way, shape or form. But look, they forgive each other. It's all fine. They yeah. figure it out and it's grand. <laughs> um, she, she does admit that it was a stunt and she says, I can't believe it. Robbie exclaimed, foiled again, Lila Fowler, you are certainly a handful. Lila smiled to herself, she was a handful and Robbie was just going to have to get used to it. Oh God, well I hope not because their relationship has gotten really fucking annoying so I could do with less of it. Oh my God, I just cannot take much more of Lila, you know, and Robbie having completely contrived staged fights and then Mm. making up in two seconds. It's That's it. One was more than enough. Definitely, because this is just like, yeah, it's it's getting repetitive. But uh, but anyway, they pull up outside Todd's house and uh, Robbie's like, wait, what are we actually doing here? <laughs> Lila, and it's so funny how like throw away this line yeah. feels because she's like, oh, I almost forgot. The Wakefields have been kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie does not, as I think most people would go, hang on, what the fuck? <laughs> he takes it all in his stride. <laughs> well, he certainly, I was going to say he sort of absorbs Sweet Valley in ways, but I guess he lives in Sweet Valley the whole time. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, they all head to Calico Drive anyway. And for some reason, the house is completely dark and looks as if it's been abandoned. <laughs> and Robbie <laughs> says, the shades are probably just drawn. There's so much contrived spookiness yes. in this book. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, they decide Lila and Todd will investigate. Robbie will stay with the car. And as uh, they leave the car, we're told the Wakefield home is still shrouded in darkness, <laughs> giving off the impression of a haunted house. Except we're told the light's on upstairs in Liz's room. There's crack in the curtains. It's absolutely fine. Like, it's just that it's nighttime on Calico Drive. That's all. But also, it is quite funny because I didn't realise this until kind of rereading it earlier today that, like, Lila's car is a two-seater and, like, her and Todd <laughs> and Robbie are in it. Lila's driving, so is Todd sitting on Robbie's lap? Is that what's happening here? I, mean, I guess. Like, they don't care about uh, road safety in Sweet Valley. We do know bit. that. Yeah, because it does say, like, that Todd and Robbie were crammed together in the front seat of Lila's two-seater <laughs> car. So who's on whose lap? I need to know. <laughs> Well, they've got no time for snuggling up because Todd remembers that uh, we learn a lot about the architecture of the casa. Uh, he remembers there's a small decorative window in the kitchen that doesn't have a curtain. So uh, they have to, we're told, shimmy across the lawn on their bellies, basically commando style. Essentially, yes. Lila is extremely unimpressed that uh, that this is how she has to manoeuvre her way around the corner of the house. Um, because, uh, yeah, Todd is insistent that they can't be seen. So they have to, uh, as you say, shimmy across and kind of, uh, I don't know, make their way across the lawn. <laughs> Lila's disgusted. She's like, Ugh, I'm ruining my jacket. This is the worst. But uh, Except- yeah, they make their way across. Yeah, we are told that her jacket is made out of black leather, which um, is literally the one's you know, sort of garment that would not get ruined. It's, by... I think it's ideal shimmying across the grass. Kind exactly. Of wear. So really, yeah, I don't know what she's complaining about. <laughs> well, they get around the house and we learn that somehow, I mean, which way is the split level working? I just thought that that was like some of the houses one story and some hmm. of it's two story. But apparently the windows of like the, <laughs> the kitchen are so high off the ground that Todd has to like pull himself up. 
Um, I mean, I am five foot two, and you could I can just stand there and see wrapped into my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange because they do say he has to pull himself up. And I was like, do they just mean like he's he was crouching and now he's just kind of like popping his head up? But then it just the way it's worded is literally like he's having to do a pull up to see in this fucking window. Like it's very strange. And we're told again, they, they really they are like babies in so many ways. <laughs> the sweet valiants, because we know they don't do object permanence. <laughs> and now we know that they I guess are think that somewhere in the dark is like a totally different place because we're told the usually bright and gay Wakefield kitchen was grey and foreboding, covered in shadows, ta- shivered and dropped down. I mean, the light's just off. Oh like, my God. It's just a dark room. Everybody relax. But yes, they're they're basically like, yeah, they've got themselves all het up with this whole yeah. kidnapper idea in their head. So everything seems really spooky. And they're like picturing like men standing over Liz with a knife and all this kind of thing. Like it's all very dramatic for absolutely no reason. Because oh. yeah, apparently there's a side window uh, of the family room that Todd has to like jump. He, Todd is six foot tall. He's jumping and he can't see in this window. Apparently he's a full foot short of it. What? And it's like, what is this weird fucking window in the city? room that's like way up high that just it sounds so odd stairs like my husband's six foot around six foot six foot one and I'm trying to visualize how high he would have to jump and he's not a basketball player to not be able to reach to be a foot away from a window Bizarre, but like, yeah, so basically Lila has to get up on Todd's shoulders uh, to peer in the window. Like, I don't know what's going on with these windows. It's ridiculous. But uh, she does eventually get a look in and can see the twins uh, and Mr. and Mrs. Wakefield. And they all look really miserable um, where they're all sitting. But then she notices that there's somebody else in the room. So there's some (gasps) like guy who's about six feet tall and wearing a baseball cap. So Lila's like, oh, my God, the kidnapper is here. Um, so he's kind of moving around the room towards the window. So she kind of panics and they uh, they jump back down and yeah. so basically run away, I think. Yeah. So they're just like, so they tell commando Robbie, style. Basically, yeah, that's all over with now. <laughs> so <laughs> they tell Robbie that the kidnapper is there with the Wakefields. Um, but she reassures Todd that everyone's fine. Like nobody looks injured or anything, but uh, everyone looks miserable. And the kidnapper was stalking around the room. But of course, she couldn't make out any of his features or what he looks like at all, because with the baseball cap, she just couldn't see his face. I mean, how was this baseball cap positioned that when he was walking around the room, you couldn't see anything and, you know, possibly, I don't know, recognise him from somebody who you see all the time. But well, They're also looking from like a seven, eight foot vantage point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot about the insane architecture yes. of this house. <laughs> they're looking at him from quite a height. <laughs> so Todd uh, wants to go back to the room, to the um to the house and hmm. like take on this one kidnapper because they're likely to be two against one but yeah. Lila says courage is worthless in the face of a gun because he's, she's sure that this kidnapper is armed mm-hmm. um, so Robbie agrees and they decide they can't call the police either because Todd has a fantasy of the police surrounding the house and shouting through megaphones yeah like, well again would you trust the Sweet Valley police to handle anything no. at all properly so True. You know, I, I can't really I can't really um, yeah drag them too much for that I feel like fair well they decide the best place to come up with a secret plan because they obviously need to you know take this mm-hmm. into their own hands is of course the Dairy Burger of course yes, yes where, where everyone else, else is yeah. <laughs> I seem to recall that other people were like making secret plans of the Dairy Burger in recent books. I don't know whether it was Liz and Bruce, but I I don't, this is not the first time in relatively recent history that people have decided the best place to like talk in private is the place that all their friends are in. (laughs) Nobody will notice, it's fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, they, Todd can't believe all their pals are just you know going about their business as normal while Liz mm. has been is held hostage. And uh, Lila uh, decides that the best approach is to do things out in the open. Yeah. Uh, so Robbie jumps on the idea and he's like, yes, she's right. We've got to walk right up to the front door to like make the kidnapper let us in. So Todd is like, oh, so like go dressed as cops or something. But Lila's like, no, not that. But she's like, but some kind of disguise that the kidnapper will have to let us in. So Todd, again, is like, so like plumbers. But anyway, they eventually kind of run through different kinds of like occupations where like if someone turns up at the door, you'd want to let them in. So it's like firemen and they think about how that would work and where the fuck they would even get a fire truck. But uh <laughs> They, um, they're kind of listing out things and they're like plumbers, sanitation workers, the telephone company, electrical workers. And then Robbie's like, electrical workers, that's it. Uh, because his cousin Sydney quite handily works at Sweet Valley Power. <laughs> In fact, not only does he work there, despite the fact that he seems to be about the same age as Robbie, he is a vice president in the corporate office yeah. of Sweet Valley Power sure. and <laughs> thus could get them SVP worker uniforms and maybe a truck. I don't know. I, there's many questions to be asked about Sweet Valley Power. If this is a publicly owned company, <laughs> like their tax dollars are not being put to good use. When are they ever in that town, in fairness? <laughs> but yeah, so they, they hatch a plan that uh, they can turn up as like electrical workers and say that they need to check the basement to where the breaker box is. And uh, they come up with some story anyway that they're going to have to like make sure everything's fine with the power, basically. Yeah. Because apparently it's a town ordinance that uh, all residents have to give electrical workers access to the breaker boxes in an emergency. Like, why why would you know this, Robbie? Like, what, <laughs> no. what is this fucking extraneous detail all about? But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they decide this is the plan to go with because the kidnapper will have to uh, like hide the gun and, and act normal while they're there. So it'll be the perfect time to ambush him. And they're going to ambush him with a fire extinguisher, essentially. <laughs> Flame with hardened spray. Mm-hmm. And um, Todd, who's been fucking useless so far, uh, decides to, we're told, take charge. And that uh, he's going to go down to the basement to check the fuse box and turn off the breaker box. I guess that's like the fuse thing mm. and uh, they cut off the lights and in the ensuing confusion Lila will spray the kidnapper what could possibly be ro- go wrong with any of this oh it's watertight this plan is foolproof nothing could possibly go wrong so they realise they have to wait till tomorrow even though Todd wants to do it right now because uh, they have to wait till office hours <laughs> to get a fire truck yes and Todd wonders how he'll make it through the night <gasps> So the next morning, everyone is anxious in the Casadel Wakefield because it's D-Day, as Elizabeth thinks, drop-off day. Mm-hmm. And she and Jessica were the decoys. <laughs> They're de-lovely and delicious. <laughs> yeah, so she's been going over her notes because, of course, she's been playing girl detective and like scribbling mm-hmm. down everything she overhears, basically. But uh, she still can't really puzzle it out. Uh, she's kind of just like rereading what she's written and it's like, ransom amount equals inheritance. Kidnapping occurs <laughs> on day Sue to receive inheritance. And it's like, who would want to harm Sue? And she just can't crack this fucking case. Uh, but she can hear um, Ned and Alice chatting with Sam. Sam Diamond, of course, Ned's old buddy, uh, mm-hmm. private detective that he's been keeping secret this whole time. <laughs> uh, they're chatting um, in the study uh, privately. So she creeps down the hallway because she wants to hear what's going on because she's just, she's not getting anywhere with her own little notes and she justifies this eavesdropping to herself as she did when she just justif- she justified eavesdropping on um 
Sue and Alice talking about her like mm. will because um, she says she has to know what's going on in there if she's going to help Sue and a good reporter has to have all the facts right <laughs> so um, she basically sticks her ear up against the door, door and here's um, Sam say you know there's no cases of kidnappings that match this uh, this one and mm. there's a reference to something in Santa Monica like that wasn't one of the mystery like the Sweet Valley Summer Spectaculars, was it? It just seems very specific. It is specific, isn't it? Because they even say like the little Collins girl and it's like, oh, that was orchestrated by a drug ring. And it's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) What is this? Like, and we haven't done all the like super thrillers. So it could be something related to that or it could just be more random, unnecessary detail. You know, either (laughs) thing is very possible. (laughs) Well, Sam has ruled out sort of professional, you know, drug Mm. Uh, cartels and <laughs> does say that it doesn't look like it's Phil Schmidt because um, he's oh God Phil Schmidt 45 years old he's oh younger God. than me oh God. <laughs> so apparently he comes with old money he's from yeah. Greenwich Connecticut and he's like he runs an ad agency and he um, you know Alice is like well why did why did wasn't he given the trust hmm. of um of Sue's millions? Sorry, what the am I millions. saying? Five <laughs> hundred grand, half a million, her paltry half a million. <laughs> um, like why wasn't he the recipient? And Sam points out, look, Phil Schmidt's independently wealthy, so he doesn't need it, and also hmm. he'd be in a really awkward situation if he was given this money and had to sort of, you know, take it from his stepdaughter. Yeah. Um. So I guess we've ruled out Phil Schmidt unless he pops up in the next book. That's yes. it. Yeah. So um yeah, Alice or um, what you know is uh, uh sorry, and Ned is like, well, what do you suggest? And Sam says she thinks they have to go through with the drop. And Liz is appalled at the thought of giving the kidnapper what he wants. Um and so Alice is is worried about giving the kidnapper access to her beloved twins. Well, suddenly she's parent of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Sam reassures her that the girls won't be in any danger. They'll be fully protected at all times because they're going to be equipped uh, with bug devices uh, and Sam is going to be right on their tail the whole time. So um, she kind of, she says, she does this thing where it's like, now this is the plan and then starts whispering. So like, she just can't really <laughs> overhear everything. It's that classic cutaway thing. Yeah. But uh, she does hear that, yeah, apparently Ned is going to go out to the bank today to pick up the ransom. Um, and Liz just can't hear the rest of this sentence or what else yeah. they're talking about afterwards. But then when she hears them all moving around, it's like they're clearly about to come out. So she's like, oh shit. So she like legs it into the kitchen to try and be all nonchalant while she's like stuck to the wall. <laughs> it's very strange because Ned walks in and she's like, hops on a stool and tries to look normal. And it's like, you were clearly just like plastic yourself against the wall (laughs) and now you're just like oh I'm just sitting here not doing anything don't worry about it (laughs) we do learn that like this is the first Liz hears of the fact that they're going to be you know wired for sound Mm. and that Sam will be with them which you know I think it would have been reassuring to the girls to tell them this before now in fact sorry what am I saying before now they still haven't been told she just overheard exactly so um yeah, uh, Liz is, you know, now I guess she's somewhat reassured that yeah. at least they're going to have a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the cabin. Sue's still tied to a bloody chair. Um, she's basically, we get like, I'm not joking, about three pages of how, you know, agonizing this has been, um, how Jeremy turned up, bought her a sandwich and let her un- stay untied for half an hour. Still no word on the toilet situation. Mm. And um, he wouldn't, she wouldn't stay. 
uh, or he wouldn't stay with her and wouldn't let, I guess he's staying in the cabin because she begged him to let her or oh. his stay in his room. But he said oh, I'd say that's heavy. the hotel room that he's staying in probably in town, isn't it? I guess. But then I was wondering, I mean, we did wonder that last time. But yeah. um, anyway, he's the, the long and short of it is he won't let her out of the cabin and mm-hmm. basically realises she's been a fool. Yes, but yeah, she's just like, what have I gotten myself into? This guy is terrible. All he cares about money. And uh, yeah, she's like blaming herself. Her mother tried to warn her all this time. And um, yeah, so she's just like, he's definitely gone too far at this stage. So she's like, right, okay, well, I'm not going through with this plan anymore. He can do whatever he wants and he can take the money for all she cares at this stage. But he's going to have to get it himself because Sue decides she is officially out. When we cut to Sweet Valley High, where Lila basically grabs Todd out of study hall and she's mm. faked a note to get off school and Todd, of course, hasn't. Um, but uh, they have to bunk off because they have important errands to do, including picking up a disguise for Lila at the costume store. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> so uh, they like skulk down the corridors and then Lila just jumps into the girl's loo because Chrome Dome is approaching Apart from Chrome Dome is now like a million years old because we're told he's shuffling down the hall towards Todd, the fluorescent lights of the ceiling reflecting off his bald head. (laughs) Poor old Chrome Dome, he's really well past retirement age the way it sounds here. (laughs) Well, Todd runs runs after Lila into the girls' loo and Olivia, so for some insane reason, greets her with a wrenching scream at the sight of her actual friend <laughs> in a toilet in the middle of the day. I know, she really uh, overdoes it. It doesn't seem like Olivia as well. Like None of this seems like Olivia because they describe her like standing in front of the mirror with like lipstick poised in front of her face. And it's like, no, this no, this isn't Olivia. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> so Lila is sitting on the counter. Again, Olivia wasn't even on her own when, a, when somebody burst in. So I don't know why she's so shocked, but they run off and um, Todd is worried someone has heard Olivia scream, rightly so, seeing his ground <laughs> was probably just outside the door. So they run out and jump in the car. Mm, yeah, make their getaway. Yes. Well, meanwhile, back at the casa, uh, Alice is preparing a salad and Liz can't understand why everybody is acting normally. Like Jessica and Jeremy are lying together and like by the pool and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just acting like nothing's wrong. And I don't know, maybe Alice is going mad because this meal <laughs> she is making sounds <laughs> fucking deranged. I don't know what she's doing. Um, Because yeah, she's kind of, she's lifting up a bunch of vegetables because she's going to make in a salad and then she's just piling grapes into a bowl. But like, She's kind of going on about cold cuts as well because they're they're getting some kind of meal on the go anyway. Yeah. But when she asks Liz to set the table, she turns around from the fridge with like two loaves of bread, a bag of turnips, <laughs> a head of lettuce, a curtain of milk and a jar of mustard. And I'm just like, Liz, Liz and Alice, what is going on here? Like, where are you going with the bag of fucking turnips? <laughs> a bag of turnips? Like, turnips are huge. Turnips are enormous. Like, what is she doing? <laughs> Time for your turnip sandwich and your pint of milk. Like, are turnips something else in America? Like, I thought that <laughs> Americans called what we call turnips Swedes. Oh, or is yeah. that parsnips? But anyway, oh. they're basically big, like solid, big yolks, fucking like a vegetable. Yes, yeah. like a turnip a is massive. A bag of turnips, like <laughs> thrown over her shoulder. Like, where are you going with a bag of turnips? 
I'm baffled by this lunch slash dinner, whatever they're having. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, listeners, I mean, if there is something we're missing about this, are you like, this is the recipe, the very normal recipe for uh, like a Chattanooga salad. That's a completely <laughs> standard American dish. The classic Chattanooga salad. <laughs> Four turnips at least. <laughs> Maybe it's served in a hollowed out turnip. Who knows? Ooh, maybe it's like a Halloween dish and they do like an old timey oh. uh, jack-o'-lantern like we used to do. <laughs> Carving turnips like fools. <laughs> well, Liz is getting worried, not because of Alice making a meal that seems to be majority turnip. It's because her obsessive behaviour reminds her of her told another unhappy time when she sort of turned into a separate wife during Liz's mm-hmm. trial. Yeah. And uh, she's she offers to help... Um, with with the with the chores and Alice doesn't assuage her worries because she starts like grabbing an electric broom. I'm not sure what an electric broom is. It's like one of those carpet sweepers. Anyway, yeah. she's she's running it back and forth on the immaculate Spanish tiled floor. But um, <laughs> somehow Liz reassures herself that Alice has not actually lost her mind. She hasn't checked out again like she did before because apparently she can see anguish in her mother's eyes. So she's like, oh, okay, good. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) She's relieved her mother is facing reality. Mm -hmm. So outside, Jessica is basically writhing around like a beach (laughs) whale to impress Jeremy. But uh, sadly, it's not working. Oh, she's just, yeah, she's doing her best to get his attention, uh, but it is not really going to plan. She's just like, she's she's just like, mmm, like, like, <laughs> him just like squirming uh, because, you know, of the hot sun or whatever. But he's just like, huh, what? Um, just totally not paying her the slightest bit of attention. And she's like, oh, what's the matter? And he's like, oh, nothing I'm just worried about Sue. And she's like, ah, oh, fucking Sue. Um, so she gets up and does like a big fancy dive into the pool, makes a big show of like posing at the end of the diving board before she goes in and everything like it's pretty gas to be honest it is especially as we're told she's determined to make him notice her like i cannot believe this bitch was ever criticizing sue for supposedly being desperate or clingy because you put her in the halfpenny place jessica honestly yeah so she yeah so she's swimming across the pool then after diving in uh and even like her swimming is amazing because it's all like she's swimming steadily with strong sure strokes Mm -hmm. because Wakefields are so fucking good at everything um like comes out of the pool shakes her hair makes a whole fucking production of the whole thing but uh she comes back to the deck chairs to find jeremy is snoring (laughs) (laughs) so uh she she shakes her hair again to wake him up with droplets oh. <laughs> um, and then she's like she's really clutching at straws she asks him to put on um, some uh, well I'm going to call it sunscreen mm. it's probably barbecue sauce probably their usual <laughs> um, and uh, she decides he's not uh, doing that sexily enough so she's going to have to pull out all the stops oh god yes so she tells him that she has uh, something to give him and uh, silently hands him a small square box and Jeremy quite understandably is like what the fuck is this Uh, because he opens the box to find uh, like a gold ring in it Uh, so he's like oh my god you shouldn't have this must have cost a fortune and Jess reveals that it's Stephen's ring from when he was engaged to Kara Walker he thought we should have it 
Stephen hadn't actually given her permission to have the ring, but Jessica was sure he wouldn't notice its absence. So she basically stole Stephen's, I guess, intended wedding ring from when he was going to marry yeah. And now she's given it to Jeremy. Like, this is a shit show. But she tells Jeremy it's Stephen's from a cancelled wedding. I mean, I guess that's cancelled weddings are like their thing. Now. It's like their, yeah, it's like their, their love language is cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Take this cursed ring. <laughs> Also, why is she giving it to him now? It is a clearly a wedding ring. It's like a gold band. Why why are you giving it to him two years before your supposed nuptials? Because everyone's insane in these books. (laughs) Okay, that could be the answer to most of our questions. (laughs) Um, We are also told she is desperate, she sure fucking is, to forge the bond that seemed to be rapidly disappearing between her and Jeremy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she judges Sue. My God, the hypocrisy of it. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't fit his wing finger. Oh, no. So, yeah, he puts it on his pinky finger uh, and he says it's even more special this way. So she's just Mm. relieved that he's uh, accepted her gift, stolen gift. uh, And she's just uh, (laughs) delighted and just looks at how hot he is. And she's like, oh, Jeremy, I love you. So uh, he says he loves her too, uh, more than anything in the world. And this is, I suppose, what she was kind of looking for, basically, was to actually have his attention, get him to say these things to her. So she's happy for now. Well, we cut to Sweet Valley High. For some reason, this is where Todd and Lila, having bugged off school, have chosen to meet Robbie and his cousin Cindy. Oh my God, you're so right. In the car park. I'd say, oh, for God's sake, lads, man better. <laughs> oh, <laughs> At least well, go to the Dairy Burger car park or something. For, I mean, honestly, oh, amateur hour. <laughs> well, they may be amateur hour, but they're, they're putting the work in because apparently... <laughs> They're on their way, or they will be in a second, to the Sweet Valley Power Plant to get uniforms, and they are outfitted for the occasion as young executives. Oh, yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Bear in mind, these children are fucking 16. How young are the executives in Sweet Valley? Oh, my God. Yeah, because like this is the whole plan. Like it's, yeah, they're, they're going to be coming in as executives. Like we're business people. Fucking Vincent Adultman doing a business, like very fucking that. I could just, I just feel like they're all just wearing their parents' clothes or something. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. So Robbie arrives, of course, makes time for some stupid banter, um, mm-hmm. which I cannot be arse trans, you know, sharing <laughs> with you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they meet Sid- Sydney, the cousin, uh, who is, of course, a hunk. Of course. Um, Though uh, he's more of a sharp dresser than his cousin, as I guess befits the vice president of Sweet Valley Power. Sure, look, why not? Let's let's promote these children. They work hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder they have young executives who are still in school. (laughs) This all makes perfect sense. (laughs) So they arrive at Sweet Valley uh, Power and Lila, despite the fact that I guess they're probably within sight of the security guards, basically snogs Robbie like at the window. Um, And uh, they head in with Sydney as their Mm -hmm. guests. And he sort of puts on a show of, you know, uh, like, look, here is our amazing mm. power room. Yeah, like he's giving a tour to potential clients, whatever that's all about. But yeah, this is the kind of the cover story. Yeah. And then they sneak off to the fourth floor and uh, this is where apparently the supplies are kept. So the plan is that Lila will go into this stock room mm-hmm. thing and Todd and Sydney will stand guard and stop somebody going in. 
Um, so this is so contrived. Lila goes into the stock room, uh, but uh, then some just as after she comes in and somebody else st- starts opening the door, so she has to hide under the cl- under some a pile of clothes because I guess they keep all the dirty linen just <laughs> in piles in this room. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she just doesn't get she doesn't get caught. So mm. that tension was completely contrived. And oh, yeah. when she comes out, she understandably says, "You were meant to be lookouts, why didn't you stop this intruder?" And they're like, "Oh, you said it was an emergency." So um, Todd says, "Lila saved the day with her quick thinking," and she acts like she came up with some amazing plan um, oh, as opposed to hiding under it. I don't know, an old overall smelly jumpsuit. I don't know. Like it's all a load of nothing. Basically, she gets the uniforms is what's happened here, but they just really fucking draw it out. Oh my God. It is like pages and pages of this. Like unnecessary. I described it in too much detail there and I left out a lot. So much. (laughs) So we cut back to the casa where where Jeremy and Jessica are making chit-chat and Liz again can't understand why they're acting like nothing's wrong. And uh, Liz isn't hungry, but um, then Ned returns and he's pretty cheerful and sassy and uh, he's got a little attaché case. He does. He's like waving his hand. He's like doing little flourishes. He is living it up here uh, because he pops open the uh, the briefcase and they'll gather around. So when he lifts the cover, uh, yeah, they see that it's stacked full of cash, uh, stacks of crisp green bills. And everyone is like amazed at the sight of so much money. Um, Jessica is like, oh, my God, it's like the movies. And Liz is like, unfortunately, this is real life, Jess. It's like, oh, God. All right, Liz. God forbid you forever enjoy yourself. Um <laughs> But yeah, so Ned takes out the money, kind of starts counting it, just like arranging it all in piles of like $100,000 each. And then that's, Jeremy... That's five piles. That's just five piles. Oh no, six, because remember, oh, the, the ransom went up. <laughs> sorry, six whole piles. That's right. You do what Cookie Monster says. Um, and uh, <laughs> Jeremy decides to help. So he starts pulling out <laughs> bills and Liz notices him pick up a wad of bills, seeming to waft the print under his nose. Liz is like, he's smelling them money he wants to make sure it's real and Liz like for a fleeting moment thought she detected a self-satisfied smirk on Jeremy's face but then it's like gone as soon as it appeared so she's like oh I guess that's nothing anyway (laughs) he's not acting suspiciously at all this is fine (laughs) like the way he wasn't acting suspiciously earlier in this very book when he was like no let's not use the phone now oh look at that let me just stall for no reason (laughs) and now he's literally standing there sniffing the money like this guy zero chill (laughs) so uh, Ned announces he's going to put the money in the safety deposit box and he wants to have a little chat with Sam in the study so um, they all head off and Liz is in fairness genuinely suspicious of Jeremy um, though she doesn't go so far as to think he's the kidnapper, but no. she it's she wonders is he hoping that it is fake so he can like claim Sue and mm. her fortune. Um, but anyway, he's just not acting like he's worried about Sue, and he's not acting like he's worried about her losing her inheritance. Mm. Um, but Jeremy is, I mean, for all his suspicious action, he's mm. sort of almost trying to like confront Liz. He's very brazen, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Liz, Liz looks at him and he just kind of stares back at her and then just kind of starts talking to Jessica uh, about yeah. going for another dip in the pool or something. So yeah, he's very much kind of just trying to brazen this whole thing out. But I suppose Liz, yeah, she is getting slightly suspicious, but like not as much as she should be because he was literally oh, God. smelling the money like a weirdo. <laughs> 
are Lila and Go are about to steal a fucking truck. Truck. So they basically arrive at the garage. Lila hides under a coat and Sydney flashes his card to the superintendent. And why, if Sydney is so important, does he just not requisition a truck? Or like, why do they have to steal it? What is happening? It's so silly because he has the two lads in the back in their like overalls. Uh, so they look like workmen. Uh, yeah. And like, it's just so unnecessary. As you say, he's a fucking vice president apparently <laughs> in there. And yet he's like having to do all this subterfuge to just get a fucking truck out of the lot. Like, come on. People, please. <laughs> There's also a completely ridiculous and properly weird. We spoke last week or last time about the sort of odd, feverish tone of this book mm. where they reach a truck and he goes, Ain't she a beauty? And uh, Lila goes, Aren't you sweet? She said Lila, popping up at Sydney's words. <laughs> and, Robbie's like, it goes. <laughs> and Robbie is still looking at the truck and is going, She sure is. And we're told, muttered Lila like she's genuinely offended that they weren't randomly praising her charms it's just yeah the tone is just all over the shop like with these books it's just nobody's making any sense at all (laughs) they just have a stupid slapstick moment where Todd's overalls fall down because they're too big and they show off his boxers pretty much yeah yeah. Like it's it's all it's weird. Like they're going to this like as far as they know, they're like trying to rescue hostages, and yet they're all like falling over and having all these stupid slapstick moments. And I'm just like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, like they care enough. They take this situation seriously enough to pour a sort of rescue gang, but then they're still sort of like wah, wah, wah. fucking three stooges. Like, oh my god, I refer strange. to them as the three stooges for the oh. rest of my notes. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> Why I yada? <laughs> Basically, yeah, that is the vibe. It's yeah. like you can take this seriously or don't. <laughs> well, back at the castle, the twins are getting wired for sound, and um, Jessica's complaining about the whole procedure, and uh, Liz is not impressed, and they're just like, they're acting like children. Basically, yeah. they're just squabbling with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, Jeremy <gasps> is getting impatient. He is because he doesn't know the details of this whole situation yet uh, because I guess it's all very secretive, the plan. Uh, So, yeah, so he hasn't been filled in, I guess, on on the whole thing because he's kind of watching the two girls being wired. And it's like he's anxious to find out the details for the evening's drop off because they've convened apparently in the den after lunch to go over everything. But like, yeah, he just he just wants them, I suppose, to get going as well because, yeah, okay, I need to I need to you know to do something because he's just sitting there trying not to be suspicious and failing. (laughs) So eventually Sam reveals the plan and like Jeremy leans in closely <laughs> to hear as she's starting to explain. Yes. Go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Could you twi- imagine it? <laughs> so the twins are going to take the money in the Jeep, mm. make the drop at this gas station. They'll pick up Sue and Sam is going to follow behind from a safe distance. Alice is kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. Like my, my children are being used as bait. I'm not convinced. But Ned is like, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, Sam will be right behind them. It'll be grand. Um, so it's all very like, yeah, they're fine, whatever. But also this is like, this is nothing new for the twins. They've been through so much at Aww. this stage. Sure, they're just like, yeah, this is a fucking walk in the park class. All I should do is bring a briefcase somewhere. Grand, no bother. <laughs> I love that they're having, well, I don't love, um, I love in one way that they're having lots of, you know, references to past events like Carl mm. the Orderly and, you know, <laughs> there's a reference later on to like, don't go home with John. Like they're really mm. trying to show in some way that they've 
read previous books. <laughs> this is the same series, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. But also no reference to the whole forward out for Margot. Um, because <sighs> like surely that's their most recent Trauma. dice with death. Well, I mean, the werewolf thing is, but I guess Alice doesn't know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, or does she? Who knows? Who knows? Honestly. <laughs> So maybe she does. I don't know. Oh <laughs> I guess they've had so many traumas that you know this is just one more. Just add it to the pile. We'll figure it out <laughs> later, I guess. Oh my god! But anyway, yes. So apparently, when Sue is safely in the jeep with the twins, then Sam is going to contact the authorities on her car phone and go after the kidnapper herself. So it's like, okay. all right, Sam. I guess. Uh, but Jeremy's delighted to hear this because he reckons Sam Diamond's plan is going to fit right into his. <gasps> So Jeremy mm-hmm. makes his own super quick plans. Uh, so he decides he's going to block the tailpipe of Sam's car so her engine doesn't work. And then he'll don his disguise and follow the twins to the drop. <laughs> that makes it sound like he's going to pull on a blonde wig and a white Chanel suit. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sam Diamond. <laughs> Drive and die! <laughs> But he's, he's, uh, it's quite dramatic. He's going to run them off the road, mm. not enough to hurt them, just enough to make them stop the car. That is, I mean, you want to be a fucking stunt driver to be able to, yeah, you know, he's, rely he's putting, on this. He's putting a lot of faith in his driving skills here. It's like, yeah, not enough to hurt them. It'll be fine. If it flips over, eh, so be it. And, well, while they're halted on the shoulder, he, uh, the hard shoulder, I guess, uh-huh. he'll jump out and grab the briefcase. And while the detective is checking out the wreck, he would be make his getaway and he thinks and then he would be a rich man thought Jeremy with glee a very rich man I mean not that rich moderately rich man <laughs> you could buy a three bedroom semi in a Dublin suburb and you still have to work Jeremy you still have to go back to Project Nature <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can't believe he hasn't been fired seeing as he we know He's he wasn't there. in Costa Rica <laughs> <laughs> yeah so later, the twins get ready to set out. Jessica, who clearly hasn't seen Thelma and Louise, which did play in a significant role in a recent episode of uh, the TV series TV that we watched. That's another, that's so funny that keeps happening. It really does. <laughs> we kind of count the little synergy moments. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Jessica says, we're like, Thelma and Louise, two renegades. Like, what did you watch it? What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you remember the ending? Yeah. Liz and the TV series did remember the ending, so that's that. Well, there's that too. Yeah, but yeah, Liz is like so anxious. She's just not really uh, in the form for any of this. She's like, "We're not the outlaws. We're the victims." Um, and Jessica kind of makes fun of her for being so worried. Um, but she, like Jessica is so chill about this. She's like, "Oh, get into the spirit of things. It's exciting. We're like Mata Harry out on a secret mission." Um. Like, Didn't she end up executed as well? Like she <laughs> did, yes. <laughs> Very true. Not a great reference point there, Jess. But yeah, like she's just so chill about like driving around with like over half a million dollars in the oh. car. Like I had to get money out once to like pay a builder. I had to get two grand out of the bank and I had to get Angus to like, walk me across the road back to the car because I just <laughs> did not want to be outside with that much money on me. Like, And Jess is just like, this is great crack. <laughs> like, 600 grand. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> she's also I mean you'll describe it later but she's dressed outrageously <laughs> and uh, she apparently thinks she's being discreet but <laughs> Jeremy says I don't know you probably draw everybody's attention to yourself as soon as you pull into the gas station in fact I think you look too sexy to go out on the road you might get stopped for distracting motorists 
Like, are they had to call us in the room while this bad is perfect on a child? Honestly, I like at the very least, we know Liz is there, but like, yeah, they're waiting by the front door. Like, yeah, I feel like everyone is in the room and Jeremy yes. is just perving on this child. And it's just like, why has nobody just booted this man off a cliff? Oh. <laughs> well, Jessica says, nothing suits me better than danger and intrigue. Very oh, normal teenage girl dialogue. Mm, totally. And uh, she thinks, actually, nothing suited her better than being the centre of attention with an adoring man by her side. Gross. Sickening. <laughs> I hate it. So, so then Ned, I guess he was there the whole time, gives Liz the briefcase and it's time to go. And Alice gets so melodramatic. My notes just say, calm the fuck down, Alice. Oh my God. She goes full like TV movie. She's like, my girls, my darling twin girls, and like pulls them both into a hug. And it's just like, Alice, where has all this energy been for the last 109 <laughs> books, pray tell? <laughs> Tears, we're told, fell unabated down her cheeks. Hilarious. Oh my God. But the twins like reassure her that it's all going to be fine and they have yeah. to go out. She's like, oh, be careful. Um, but on their way out, Jessica notices apparently Amy Sutton just like left her camcorder uh, at the Casa. Um, it's the one that she used to make her film for Video Club. Um, so yeah, she had obviously left it behind at some point. So just at the last minute thinks well this might be handy so she grabs it as they're heading out the door so we cut to the three stooges heading to the rescue <laughs> with Todd at the wheel like he's mm-hmm. driving all over the place because he doesn't know how to drive a truck it is ridiculous and uh, Lila says she feels like she's a kid on a roller coaster ride and Robbie says you look like a man in uniform and I don't think it's spoiling an outfit Karen no, we, like, we you explain have- why <laughs> we simply have to explain why Uh, Yes, because Lila (laughs) has fastened a fake moustache to her upper lip and pulled her hair back in a white painter's cap. So they're all wearing the Sweet Valley Power uniforms and they've smudged their faces with dirt (laughs) to conceal their identities. Like... What? Chimney sweeps in Mary Poppins. Like... Why does Lila think it's it's more likely that there will be a fake moustache <laughs> wearing than uh, a female electrician? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, all of this, but just the dirt on the face is so funny. It's oh, like amazing. You think you're coal miners? What chimney sweeps? <laughs> like clean chimney, Gavna? What are you doing? What is Ch- this? <laughs> Jim Jim Jeru. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, they arrive at their uh, destination and Lila is armed with the fire extinguisher and the mm-hmm. others have, you know, various bits and bobs. Bits and pieces, yeah. So we cut to Jeremy's POV. The girls leave and uh, he wants to run after them straight away, but he restrains himself. And of course, when he does spring into action, he's subtle as a brick as usual. Christ, yeah. He like slaps his hand to his forehead as if struck by an idea. And he's like, oh, I know. Uh, I'll wait in the nature cabin. That way I'll be close to the actions as any problems. And Ned is like mid-sentence. He's like, oh, good idea. Why don't I come? But Jeremy's already like running out the door. He's literally sprinting across the lawn before Ned can join him. And then yanks a wool ski <laughs> and puts face as he ran. So surely Ned and Alice are standing there going, What the fuck is Jeremy doing? Why is he belting it across the lawn and pulling on a balaclava? Like, what's happening here? 
And also, it's still, it's like the middle of the day, as far as I know. So all the neighbours will see him like sprinting across the lawn, as you say, pulling a balaclava on his head. Like this is just bizarre on so many levels. Hilarious. Oh, no, hang on. It isn't it isn't broad daylight, even I guess it is winter, so it's okay, getting so dark it's earlier. But oh, it's they have know. street lamps and people will be awake. It's not late. <laughs> um because Todd notices a mysterious stranger run out of the house and very conveniently for the plot, disappear into the darkness. Ooh. <laughs> so after all the very detailed plotting, Todd is like, mm-hmm. forget the plan, let's get him. <laughs> let's get this guy. So yeah, Robbie and Todd basically tackle him. It takes a few goes, I think. They eventually oh. manage to hold down the kidnapper. Uh, Lila sprays him with the, uh, the the fire extinguisher. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and then Robbie leans over and pulls the ski mask off and he's like, Jeremy! <laughs> and Jeremy is furious. His face is purple with rage. He's like covered in, I guess, whatever the spray stuff was. Yeah. He's drenched. Uh, he looks ridiculous. Like he's been completely um, yeah, drenched and soaked by by the fire extinguisher. Lila's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to get you. Todd's like, oh yeah, sorry about that. And they're all just like apologetic. And Jeremy's like, get out of my way, would you? And like runs off. And Todd's like, hmm, just an accident. But also why is no one like, what the fuck was Jeremy doing just now? Because they're like, oh, I guess it was a Halloween costume. For like fuck's sake like uh, genuinely they're the stupidest people alive because <laughs> like the fact that they do wonder about the ski mask and they're just like maybe you want to scare jessica or something like oh my god what i'm second ago you thought they were held hostage yeah. they, you know like also do you remember that shadowy figure you saw in the room lila any mm. ring any bells now no. are we putting anything together perhaps two and maybe another two no okay no, no. no. <laughs> oh heaven for fend <laughs> so ned and i'll come out and are like what the <laughs> fuck is happening and they're all oh, the the three stooges are stunned we're told to see the wakefields waltzing out onto their lawn unharmed <laughs> and uh they, Lila's like, oh, hi, Mr. Mrs. Wakefield. And Ned says, Lila, is that you? And yeah, it's me, said Lila, with a sigh. So resigned. <laughs> Ned and Alice are basically like, why the fuck are you in disguise? What's happening? And who is this Sweet Valley power worker that's with you? So Lila introduces her boyfriend, Robbie. Uh, and they're like, so what the fuck is going on? Why do you have all this equipment and a truck and like... All this stuff and uh, uniforms, the whole lot. So Todd <laughs> explains that they thought that the uh, Wakefields were being held hostage. Yeah. So he's fuming with Lila because he's like, oh God, this is like, everything had clearly been fine all along and this was some stupid thing that Jessica made up probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they kind of, he kind of tries to explain. Um, but then yeah, Lila kind of cuts in because he's he's about to explain and then gets worried he's going to get Jessica or Liz in trouble yeah. for saying something they shouldn't have. But anyway, Lila eventually explains why they yeah. thought that they were being held hostage. And, so it's, oh God, it's yeah. so And Le- Alice invites them in to, yeah. to say, to explain why they turned up in uniforms <laughs> and a truck and a false moustache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and says, uh, but Lila, don't you think you should take off that moustache first? I mean, I can't believe we've had so many fake moustaches in the last, like, six books. <laughs> Brilliant. Way more than I thought we'd have, you know, ever. You just, you just never know what's going to happen with this series. You sure don't. Well, we go to a very angry Jeremy racing down the road to drop to the drop-off point. And you know he's angry because he cries, darn it! Oh, that's... <laughs> That's the most angry anyone can ever be. <laughs> so he's he knows he's too late to like run them off the road. That's <laughs> not risky at all, plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he gets another idea. 
Yes, he realises he's going to have to get Sue involved and he's going to have to complicate things more than he would have liked. Oh, Christ. But, but apparently it can still work. So like very subtly, he like revs the engine, backs up rapidly around the building, wheels screeching as he turned onto the road. And apparently the twins are just sat there not noticing any of this. Um, so so he heads for the cabin and for Sue while the twins are kind of waiting there to uh, to complete the drop off. Also, isn't he using his own rental car that they presumably know? Like... Seriously, yeah. criminal mastermind he is not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> well, we cut to the cabin of poor old Sue, the biggie, just as no. my notes say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, apparently she's been tied to a chair literally all day. It's now mm. evening. She's weak with hunger. She's also almost certainly has wet herself and um, Jeremy bellows Sue and slams the door behind him so hard when he walks in that a picture falls off the wall it's cartoonish like this is just uh, so ridiculous it gets even more cartoonish with Sue's response to him oh god like he (laughs) yeah she's uh, she has to like stuff the bandana back into her mouth and she's like "Mm." Calling from the attic. <laughs> so he stomps up to find her. Poor Sue is like cowering because he's so cross. Uh, and he kind of unties her and he's like, come on, relate. And she's like, what's going on? What's happened? So he kind of pulls her out of the chair and poor Sue like collapses on the floor yeah. because she's been tied to the fucking chair for like day and night for who knows oh, how long. it's horrible. It's really bad. Um, and he kind of is a little bit nice to her then and is like, oh, do you think you can make it? And then is immediately horrible again. Um, but yeah, Sue just says, look, I I can't do this. Like I I don't want yeah. to, to do this. We've gotten this has gone too far. I'll just tell people I was lost or kidnapped or whatever. We'll go back to New York, get on with our lives. But Jeremy is simply not having it. He's like, look, it's too late. Um, and when she says that, like he can get the money whatever way he wants, but she's not going to be involved. He's just like, you know, I can't do this without you. You know that. So he just forces her into the car basically and just kind of yeah. like, yells yells at her until she just goes along with the plan as. Uh, as intended, because like she just, yeah, she can't really stand up to him because he is quite scary. Is the oh, other he thing. is scary. Like, yeah, he is. In fairness, at one stage we're told his tone was menacing and his eyes were glazed, Ooh, and he like very creepy yanks her uh, to her feet and sort of pushes her into the car, like literally shoves her into the mm. car. So like yeah. he is, it's bad. It's it's properly aggressive. Mm-hmm. And um, they drive back to the drop off point, and Sue was really upset, and he is again really actively on like mm. angry and uh, threatening he's like would you stop your bawling he asks in disgust and then he goes well this is the lady rescue time <laughs> oh my god he shoves her out of the car and like poor Sue she kind of stumbles out like hobbles across the gravel and then he kind of jumps out and goes to her and is being kind of nice again so oh, he's really it's like really abusery it's like it's so, horrible oh it's awful like he's really just like turning on a dime here like it's just really like disconcerting the whole way through Um. so then Sue is kind of being all apologetic and she's like oh I didn't mean to betray you and he's like oh that's okay sweetheart and then he's like okay look this is the plan look I'll pick you up at eight from the Wakefields tonight we'll make our getaway do you think you can do that uh, and he reassures her that uh, this time tomorrow they'll be safe and sound in Mexico so Sue just kind of uh, just has been like beaten down at this stage and is yeah. like yeah okay and like who like, smiles weakly at him but is basically going to go along with it so yeah uh, poor Sue her resolution mm. did not last long mm, sure didn't yeah so we cut to Liz's POV and I, I don't really understand where exactly Jerry's parked the car or anything but anyway mm. the twins arrive even though Sue, Jeremy had time despite being behind them to like go up to the cabin get Sue drive yeah. back again <laughs> 
I don't think know where he's been. I think they've been sitting at the, yeah. the station this whole time, just waiting for Sue to appear, basically. I yeah. Think. But yeah. where is Jeremy? Like, where has he parked the car? What's oh, happening? There's this? any number of buildings, I guess, <laughs> that he could peel away so loudly early <laughs> undetected. Like, who even knows? <laughs> so Sue is a wreck, apparently. Still in her witch costume, yes. but she seems unharmed. And Jessica's oh. like, she looks like she's been through a war. And Liz says, she has. Oh my God. <laughs> so Sue was just standing there. And then I guess Liz has to drop off the suitcase mm-hmm. before. I don't understand why if Sue was just standing there on the road, Sue just doesn't run over to them. But yeah, that's maybe they old. think the kidnapper has a gun. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, so I was quite confused when I read this because I was like, oh, so Sue is there. So why is Liz dropping the money off? Should yeah, why don't they just drop like... the money off and then Sue appears? Yeah. You would think, but look, again, we have come to the wrong place for any kind of sense or reason. <laughs> yeah, true. So she drops off the case and she backs out quickly. And then at that moment, a man darted in from nowhere and grabbed the briefcase. So he's like, she's right there. <laughs> she could see where'd him. He, where did he come from? I don't <laughs> like, know. Like, it's like as she leaves, the, like it's a telephone booth. He like yeah. popped right in after her and just stands there. Like, oh, it's so stupid. But anyway, Liz, when she sees him, runs back to the car um, because she's freaked out. But like as they're sitting there watching this guy, he's like standing in the phone booth, counting the money uh, and then heads off. uh, And they're just like, okay, that was weird. (laughs) But also also, he's got a very elaborate outfit and I am wondering where he acquired it. He did get his hat. Uh, yeah, because he's wearing a hat and like a trench coat or something. And he did get the yeah. hat in the cabin. He grabbed that on his way out while he was uh, being horrible oh, okay. to see. So at least one part of it we know where it came from. Fair enough. He has a red bandana as well, which I guess is Sue's <laughs> bandana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the gag bandana. Of course, yes. <laughs> but one crucial thing about this scene is that Jessica has filmed the whole thing mm-hmm. with Amy's video camera. Yes. So, uh, yeah, the mystery man clicks the briefcase shut, leaves the phone booth, and then Sue hobbles across to the uh, z- the Jeep as soon as mm. she as, as he leaves. Yeah. And uh, the twins rush over to her, and Sam finally turns up as the twins are, cons- well, Liz is consoling Sue, and Sam reveals why she was late. Yeah, because she's actually in Ned's car, uh, and yeah, reveals that somebody stuffed a rag in the tailpipe of her car, so the engine wouldn't start. So that's why she had to take Ned's car. But obviously, she just lost time figuring out what the problem was in the first place. So she's like, "Whoever he is, he's smart," and that is debatable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Certainly is. So of course, Sue has no idea who this woman is. Uh, so Liz explains that this is the private detective who's been working on the case. Um, so Sam is like, "Okay, did you manage to do the drop?" Uh, and Liz is like, "Yeah, everything went according to plan." But then Jessica's like, "Yeah, except the kidnapper got away." But Sam's like, "Look." you're all safe and that's what's important uh, you know all's not lost and then Jessica's like yeah but 600,000 bucks are lost uh, and Sam is like oh I don't think that's really a problem and Jessica's like why and Liz is like but that was Sue's entire inheritance and then Sam reveals the money was fake <laughs> it sure was apparently Ned got counterfeit bills from the bank for the occasion is that how it works banks provide them I don't know under my authorization because I guess Sam it, like Judge Dredd is the law <laughs> Honest to God, I was like, Sam, what fucking authorization? You were a private <laughs> detective and what bank just has over half a million in counterfeit money that they just hand over to the least competent lawyer in Southern California <laughs> on an afternoon at random. Like this whole thing is nonsense. <laughs> I bet the bank were like, you didn't get another job offer in San Francisco, Ned, did you? 
Oh my gosh. Just like, oh, it's Ned. Oh, just give him the fake money. Just get him out of here. <laughs> Can't be listening to him. <laughs> well, <I'm> lawyer. <laughs> yes, Ned. Yes. You are. Doing a great job, buddy. <laughs> well, Liz notices when they hear about the fake cash that Sue is smiling for the first time since the rescue. Uh-huh. They all return to the casa where they find the three stooges are still there and uh, Liz and Todd have an emotional reunion and then of course she's like, what are you wearing? Um, <laughs> but Alice is overjoyed to see everybody safe. And tears of joy stream down her face mm-hmm. and uh, Ned with mock sternness is like, oh, don't go getting kidnapped again. And Sue's like, I'll do my best not to, Mr. Rakefield. And that is quite a challenge in this town given how many people have been kidnapped. Honestly, so like, yeah, he's joking, but this is serious business. <laughs> Because, you know, you just never know what's going to happen in this town. <laughs> well, Jessica is wondering where Jeremy is. And of course, she's enraged by the joy of others as usual. <laughs> as, as usual. As per fucking usual. <laughs> just furious. <laughs> We're told the happy family reunion was beginning to irritate her. <laughs> she's aggravated by the merriment around her. She's just such a dour bitch. I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she asks where Jeremy is and Alice says, he, you know, we went to the cabin because we wanted to be closer to the action for no real practical purpose whatsoever. No, no. And um, Jessica rings the cabin because she has the number of all this the, time. Of the cell phone because it doesn't have a landline as we yeah. established earlier. Oh, look. How does she have this number? Almost, and, honestly. <laughs> and oh, there's so many plot holes. It's... <laughs> Seriously, it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Alice was making cocoa and cake. That's a lot of sugar. And <laughs> everyone gathers in the kitchen. And uh, Jessica strolls in and goes, well, it's a regular shindig, isn't it? Like, okay, Barbara Stanwyck. Like, <laughs> this is so unlike Jessica. Completely. Like, she's stalking in doing her femme fatale thing to, like, a family <laughs> party in the kitchen. <laughs> Well, Ned, understandably, has turned to drink. Oh, God. Yes, actually, he is pouring wine for himself and Alice. Uh, yeah, so they're all eating cake, having a party. This is what they do when people get kidnapped and <gasps> then rescued, isn't it? They have parties. Oh, they did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did uh, when like, when Liz came back and was like, mm. drama? What drama? Let's what just have a party. House party. And that's where she met Nicholas Morrow. Like, it's, there must be a, a Sweet Valley bakery doing a great line and like, <laughs> congratulations on your rescue cakes. <laughs> I mean, it's a niche market, but they're in the right place. Oh, absolutely. They know their audience. <laughs> so the girls tell everyone what happened at the drop-off and uh, Sue shows she's just as chill as Jeremy because Jessica says, we've just got to identify the kidnapper. Unfortunately, we've got it all on tape. And then Sue chokes on her cake and drops her <laughs> fork. Brilliant. Oh my God. <laughs> Just no one can have like the slightest bit of chill at all, ever. Ever. Oh. Well, Jessica is typically sensitive because uh, Sue is just like, you know, not meeting anyone's eye, just mm. like concentrating on her uh, cake feasting. Mm-hmm. And Jessica's like, hey, Sue, did the kidnapper starve you or what? And it's like, Jessica can be so insensitive sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Every single minute of her entire life. Oh and then Sue was like, almost. He gave me bread in the morning and some water during the day. No indication that this makes Jessica feel a smidgen of guilt for oh, a no. time. 
Not even a little bit. Yeah, so Alice basically is just like, more cake, more cake for Sue. Give her more cake. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, they kind of go through like how terrible things were for Sue. And then Liz is like, I know what that's like. <laughs> Remembering her experience as a prisoner in Carl's cabin when she had been kidnapped. Like, not about you, Liz, okay? Your kidnapping <laughs> is old news. Get over it. <laughs> We've had at least two kidnappings since then, Liz. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, keep up. <laughs> so they all ask Lu- Sue about the kidnapper and, mm. um, you know, uh, whether she saw any identifying uh, yeah. things. Um, but she says, no, she never saw his face. She was blindfolded the whole time. And um, Ed is confident that now they have him on tape, they'll figure him out. Yeah. And then proposes a toast. And they're all really sort of jolly. Like, literally, he's like, you know, to Liz for completely, successfully completing the drop-off. To Jessica for fearlessly taping the the event. Lila, Todd and Robbie for their courageous rescue attempt. And most of all, to Sue for her bravery in the face of this ordeal. And Ned chimes in, hail, hail, the conquering heroes. And they all laugh. And it's like, it's trauma? Such, what trauma? It's such a weird fucking vibe. It's like you've literally just like save somebody from being kidnapped or like from being held hostage and it's like do you want to maybe just bring her to hospital and have her checked over and make sure she's not you know severely injured slash dehydrated fucking has rabies from bats which we learned obviously could happen (laughs) like there's just it's such a weird reaction to like rescuing somebody it's just like let's have a party with some cake (laughs) also they don't call the police even though Sue was back now I did just today have a look at uh, my car of the next book which I cannot believe I paid 17 pounds pounds sterling which is more like considerably more in euros Um, and uh, plus postage and it does actually have uh, have a reference to the police coming presumably like hours after this book ends but uh, (laughs) yeah it's completely insane that like now Sue's safe and sound they don't go okay we better get the police straight away after this kidnapper that we have on video no let's just eat loads of cake yes absolutely Well, the Three Stooges explain their elaborate rescue plan. And while they're bagging on and we get a full week up, um, mm-hmm. Liz notices there's something a bit off about Sue. Yeah, because where everyone else is like so entertained by this um, amazing story and how fucking hilarious everybody is. Sue is just kind of watching the door, looking at her watch. Mm-hmm. She's just really kind of, there's, there's something weird going on with Sue. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a moment. Now, I don't know if this was meant to imply Jessica was suspicious because Lila reveals that when she looked in the window, she thought Jeremy was the kidnapper and Jessica looks sort of uncomfortable. And Liz assumes that it's because, you know, Jessica's been caught out um, for blabbing about Mm. the hostage situation. Yeah, yeah. so is that meant to be the case or is it because Jessica's like, maybe Jeremy could be the kidnapper? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird hmm. detail if it doesn't it really mean anything. Yeah. Um. So uh, Liz thinks, oh, well, you know, might as well know, might as well have uh, guessed Jessica would tell somebody and uh, at least one thing would always be consistent. Jessica would always be Jessica. Yeah, except she isn't because she's not like herself at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like what about the other ways in which she's behaving out of character? Oh, God. <laughs> Well, later, the Three Stooges go uh, and the Wakefields and Sue are watching the video. And um, Jessica, again, a massive freak. Um, and we, she was talking, I think it was earlier in this book about, it was earlier in this book about how like the twins are so harsh, they could be models. And then she lets out a whistle when Elizabeth appears on screen and says, wow, Liz, you're pretty photogenic. Oh God. Well, you know, Stephen's not around to Pervon, so she's got to put that <laughs> attention somewhere. 
<laughs> Keeping it in the family as usual, Jessica. Ooh, so grim. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they they watch they watch the the kidnapper go through the money, and Ned's like, he sure is greedy. Oh, <laughs> but uh, Sam points out he can't be that professional if the money hmm. fooled him. So like, how bad or good was this forgery? Yeah. I, I don't really understand why it was good enough to like pass the smell test. Honestly, the bank just handed Ned stacks of Monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, this has got Mr. Monopoly on it Wait instead of George minute. Washington. Who's this guy? <laughs> is George Washington on bills? I think he He's is. He's on dollar bills, I think. Yes. I think, well, yeah, whoever he is, uh, I think it probably was, I don't know, Mr. Potato Head or Mr. Monopoly <laughs> on these bills because... <laughs> Apparently Sam isn't depressed that uh, they passed muster with the with thief, um, mm-hmm. and uh, then Jessica suggests it's uh, an old, uh, a villain, I guess, Oof. in the Sweet Valley universe. Yeah, this is really weird. Um, because Alice asks, "Look, does anybody recognize this guy?" And Jess pipes up that he looks like John Pfeiffer. She reckons, and Liz is like, "What are you talking about? Where is the resemblance?" And Jess is like, "Well, you know, he's six feet tall, well built, a man." And Liz is like, "You're just saying that because you don't like him." Uh, like it's just a really weird little aside, yeah, thing, isn't it? Because then it's like Jessica. Then is like, "Oh, well, he did try to date rape my best friend." Defensively. Jesus, Lime has just been there as well. It's so weird. Um, but Liz is like, okay, well, that doesn't mean he kidnapped Sue. But like, nobody can really suggest anything else because they just can't. There's just no identifiers that they can figure yeah. out for this guy, and uh, no amount of like watching it in slow mo or like pausing every time or like going in hands at the screen it seems <laughs> to uh, to do anything. Um, because they just can't. They can't pick out any kind of no. um helpful clues at all the one thing that I I can't believe they don't mention or look at is shoes because if Mm. I've learned anything from books about like Cold War and World War II spycraft (laughs) if you're tailing somebody or you're being tailed the hardest thing the thing to look at is shoes because people can change coats and hats and (gasps) things inside out but it's really hard to change your shoes that's so true yeah, that's actually, I also learned that that was from like Jane Casey's most recent like murder oh, mystery yeah. book. It was like, watch for the shoes. No one ever thinks yeah. of changing the shoes. I was like, yeah, she's right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, are we meant to believe that Jeremy had a spare pair of shoes somewhere or, you know. Oh, please, unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> well, somehow, even though they're watching this video again and again, they don't recognize anything about the body language or Mm-mm. anything at all about the person no. who they've seen every day for you know, the last week. <laughs> um, so uh, Liz notices that Sue is being a bit weird. Uh, now she does wonder that maybe watching this drop off again and again and again is a bit, you know, upsetting for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I think maybe, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, but apparently Sue isn't even actually looking at the TV screen and she seems strangely preoccupied. Uh, so Liz asks her what the matter is and Sue is really jumpy and nearly like jumps mm. out of her skin at this question and she's like, oh, I'm just nervous from the whole ordeal uh, and says she needs to go out and get some air. So she like runs out the door grabbing like her coat and her bag. Very mm. uh, chill as usual from Sue. Uh, <laughs> and Liz just kind of watches her go and she's like, okay, that was weird. Um, yeah, so Sue is outside and realises, look, there was nothing incriminating on the tape but she still felt really like nervous and jumpy watching it. But she's like, okay, look, this is all going to be over soon. Um, but she reckons that Jeremy will be here any minute now so they can make their getaway because within an hour they'll be on a plane to Mexico and then to Rio, uh, far away from the Wakefields and the kidnapping and the crime. <laughs> We're also told she can't wait to leave Sweet Valley for good. She wasn't particularly thrilled about accompanying Jeremy, but she didn't have much choice at this point. She has every choice. She can like, 
she just let can let him just fuck off and have nothing to do with him ever again and keep her money. Like I don't understand why she thinks, well, you know, I'm I've thrown my lot in with them now, so I'm bound to him forever. Like why doesn't she have a choice? It's really weird. Yeah, because they do kind of just say she was, you know, in too deep to back out now. But it's like, but no, like you totally have an opportunity here now to just like walk away from this. Like, you know, the money's fake. So he's out of here and it's grand. Like, why are you trying to meet up with him? Yeah. But anyway. Uh, the, the, sorry, the, the stuff about it being fake, we're told, is a huge relief because now she doesn't have the burden of guilt. Yes. So why doesn't <laughs> she just enjoy that? I just don't know. She just refuses to uh, be relieved at all. But anyway, she's like pacing around, waiting for Jeremy. Apparently he's never late. And now it's like quarter past eight and there's still no sign of him. Um, But yeah, she reckons that, yeah, Jeremy will be furious when he finds out the money was fake, but he'll get over it because it was only driving them apart anyway, she reckons. And then she's like, when they got back to New York, everything would be good again. So are they going to like Mexico, then Rio, and then just like back to New York? Like, what is the plan here? Like, are they, I mean, surely the fact that they're heading off to, you know, Latin America mm. is meant to imply that they're sort of on the run. Yeah. And that the plan is like live it up on the beach forever right on there. their half a million. <laughs> like, I guess. Like, it's all very, very loosey goosey as plans go. <laughs> very much so. Mm. Um, but anyway, she blatantly realizes the truth a, a realization, a horrible realization, we're told. Jeremy was coming back to, for her and he'd never been planning to. Well, okay, good. He's off with fake money. Uh, yeah. He had fooled <laughs> Jessica all along and he had fooled her as well. Oh my God. <laughs> like this is, you should be delighted. This should be so, like, such good news for her. <laughs> like, my God, Sue, you were trying to get away from this man because he was horrible and scary like no length ago. Um, but yeah, so she walks back into the casa. Uh, she's kind of down. Although, yeah, Liz kind of notices her when she comes in. Apparently, yeah, Sue has a strangely serene expression on her face. Yeah. But, um, anyway, in the meantime, they've still been like just like rewatching and rewatching this um, videotape to no avail. And yeah, they eventually, I don't know, watch it one more time. And they're all just talking about how there's yeah. not one Sam- possible clue. Sam says, we'll just play it one more time. And of course, Jessica quips, play it again, Sam. And they all laugh merrily again. Oh, Jesus, I hate everyone in this room. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But yeah, so they're all just like lamenting the fact that they just can't seem to figure anything out from this footage. Um, And then Jessica suddenly notices something on the tape and uh, it causes a sick feeling to settle into the pit (gasps) of her stomach. Yes, she doesn't join in as the others express their frustration about not being able to identify the kidnapper because she did see a clue. A dead giveaway, in fact. The kidnapper wasn't wearing any gloves. I mean, seriously, oh my fuck's God. sake. Fingerprints must be all this over that fucking phone box. guy, I swear to God. <laughs> but on the little finger of his left hand was the ring that Jessica had given him. Oh my God, could you possibly believe it? <laughs> Now, can you read us out or does your version have the little... uh, Mine doesn't have the little uh, tagline for the next one or the little, like, yeah, intro thing. Well, mine does. And it says, (laughs) it says, who is Jeremy Randall really? Don't miss Sweet Valley High, number 111. A deadly Christmas. The terrifying, I mean, I'm sure it will be, but not for the reasons that they intend, conclusion to this riveting three-part miniseries. Stop it. Oh, how dare they? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, don't even try it, Bantam Books, you bastards. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, this, I don't even know what, how to describe it. This sequence has um, definitely 
no, no. Well, I guess the Margot adventures were the longest. Um, yeah, that's true. Including the Jungle Prom and everything. Mm. But like, I don't think we've never had any this level of inconsistency. Like sometimes <laughs> it's five parts, sometimes it's three parts, sometimes this part of it's two parts. Like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. I don't know. But also, like, I suppose it also feels like it's gone on forever because we've been doing two episodes per book. <laughs> That's so true. It's been months. Be like, we've always been here. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait until Sue and Jeremy have just like sailed off into the oh, void. God, um, please. <laughs> it's seriously like, it's, I'm just tired of all of them now. I'm I'm so done. <laughs> I am interested in how it all plays out. So I am looking I forward I, to reading the last book. In but, fairness, uh, A Deadly Christmas is a pretty good title. So I am kind of excited for that, I have to say. <laughs> well, speaking of things we're excited about, uh, can you excite us with some um, stats and outfits? Yes, I absolutely can. Uh, okay, so the Wakefield Blondness got six mentions. In the whole uh, book. In the whole book. Yes, these are whole book uh, yeah. stats. Uh, the blue-green mm. eyes got five mentions. Like, it's kind of... Yeah, we definitely did better in the previous book, I feel yeah. like. I mm. mean, considering that the books are almost twice as long as they used to be. That's it. There's so much opportunity not... for way more mentions of hair yeah. colour and eye colour. But also Jeremy is eating up some of that attention because uh, his <laughs> oh. eye colour was mentioned three times and his tawny blonde hair got four Ooh. mentions. So there was that too. <gasps> Okay, so there's still a lot of blonde locks being Very slung around. A lot of blondness going on, so don't <laughs> you worry. <laughs> um, then for outfits, oh God, yes. So uh, <laughs> Jessica, when she's going to make the drop, uh, her low-key outfit, not to attract any attention, consists of tight black leggings with tiny purple stars on them and a matching deep purple sweater. Wow. Her leggings were tucked into sleek black leather boots and she's wearing a pair of cat eye black sunglasses to complete the effect. (laughs) At night. Lest we forget, at night. (laughs) 100% at night. (laughs) Absolutely ludicrous. Um, We find out that Todd wears uh, blue plaid boxer shorts when his um, jumpsuit thing falls off and he trips over and it's all fucking ridiculous uh so that was some detail that we got detail i think we could have lived without <laughs> but you know what we had to read it so now everyone has to know <laughs> um jessica when she's like squirming around on a deck chair trying to get uh, jeremy's attention she's wearing a an aqua string bikini that matches the color of her eyes oh, of course she is <laughs> how many swimsuits does she have like so many oh my god i have one from duds like <laughs> <laughs> She has a wardrobe, a whole section of that wardrobe taken up with bikinis, surely. Definitely. Uh, is that it for, for outfits? Oh, it is not. Okay. Ooh. Because we have, oh, yeah. we, Sorry, have just remembered. We, we have our young young executives, of course. <laughs> uh, so we have Todd looking more conservative than ever in his navy blue pinstriped suit. Like, uh, I've just decided it's double-breasted because if it's going to be pinstripe, let's go full gangster. Why not? Oh, please. <laughs> Surely. we got to get really, a MTGs in somewhere. You so. just have to. But uh, honestly, the absolute icing on Alice's rescue party cake uh, is Lila's outfit for her, her executive look because she's wearing an elegant scarlet suit with a matching hat. Where did she... I mean... <laughs> Looking where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? She's in Sweet Valley wearing black pumps. Like... 
holy shit a, I had to read that a few times because like a scarlet suit okay okay yes low key I guess matching hat what is <laughs> happening here every young executive I mean this is very Alexis in Dynasty like it, it does not scream 90s to me like she is living her best dynasty life. It is wild that this is her like <laughs> don't attract attention. We're just some executive. <laughs> just head to toe, bright red suit. Fantastic. And a yeah. hat. Oh, and the matching hat. Like, of course. Obs. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where would you be going? But like that's oh my God. That, that is our headliner <laughs> for the outfits. And with good reason, I think. Oh, uh, definitely. Uh that's, that's quite a showstopper. <laughs> It truly is. Well, listeners, uh, now we've reached the end of Death Threat. Did you... Is it joy the right word? I mean... (laughs) Endure? (laughs) What did you think? Let us know. We always absolutely love hearing from you. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at SVHpodcast. You can send us an email at SVHpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at SVHpodcast, where, as mentioned earlier, uh, several of you did let us know that uh, that uh, Sue had a very good reason, and indeed, I guess Jessica did too, to be scared of bats. Yeah, so rabies, obviously, just didn't yeah. occur to us because, yeah, we don't have that here. <laughs> we don't. We are one, us in the UK are like, I think the two countries in Europe that just don't have rabies, which is why in the past people, you know, if you took your dog or cat from a mm. rabies or any pet from a rabies country, which is most places on earth, they'd like have to be in quarantine, quarantine. for like six months, like yeah. a you know, really long time. So uh, it doesn't strike us that like bats here, you know, maybe people are scared of them, but you're not going to catch anything off them. At least that's not thing. something yeah. that's going to like kill you quite quickly. <laughs> no, yeah. So we're we're all good for rabies over here. <laughs> so it just, yeah, did not even cross our minds. So thank you to everybody who educated us on mm. uh, on that one. Um, you also had lots of thoughts on what Bruce's Porsche <laughs> outfit consisted of. And oh they were all God. extremely funny. Oh, all wonderful. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of shout outs for uh, when Joey basically wore head to toe Porsche merch yes. <laughs> in that episode of Friends. So yeah, a lot of people had that thought or also the, the, the like children's Halloween costume that is like basically like Lightning McQueen from Cars. Yes. <laughs> That's like strapped over their shoulders and they're like standing into this like little car basically <laughs> running around with that around their waist so yeah a lot of a lot of um thoughts were that it was basically that but with a black porsche yes <laughs> mega lishash uh was one of one of quite a few who mentioned a uh, very cute reel which we did see of a kid who transforms from a car into a transformer like a little cardboard transformer suit which is super cute and very if bruce cute. had done that he deserved to win I mean, fair. Yeah, I, you couldn't argue with that if that was in fact what he did, but I kind of doubt it. His allude did make me laugh by saying, I was picturing him like one of the trains from Starlight Express. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, you also, I mean, you know how much we love this. Um, quite a few people were tagging themselves. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know that we always, we always love, uh, love the tag. Uh, Katie Longstreet said, I'm Lila's powder blue princess phone, always around for the hot goss and convoluted plot pads. <laughs> the most convoluted plot points of all, honestly. <laughs> News from Neon said, Oh no, I think you should read this one out. Can you see it? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
I am the handkerchief that transforms Jeremy into evil cookie monster. (laughs) (laughs) Marnie McFly uh, made reference to the fact that when I was high on cough medicine last time, I wrote not cough medicine, like very strong cold and flu medicine. (laughs) I was uh, mixing my metaphors and she says, I I am in fact the brightest tool of the box. (laughs) I've been polished up right nice, ready for all your sweet valley hardware needs. Oh my God. So good. Uh, I did like, oh yes. Uh, <laughs> Photog Shan 20 said, I am the horn on Bruce's Porsche costume that goes beep, beep every time he sits down. <laughs> um, there was, oh, oh, I can't find it. I'm trying to scroll down. This is the thing when, when they're not all in one thread, it is, uh, it's harder to find them. But yes, here it is. I'm Wretched Chinchilla said, I'm the seamstress chained up in the basement to Patman Manor. Once forced to end the steam voider X's on leather jackets. Now required to construct insanely high concept Halloween costumes. Oh my God. Free the seamstress. <laughs> Poor lady. <laughs> Biblioarchaeologist says, I am the ominous blood moon. All caps. Nice. Love that. <laughs> Jed B's Gill said, I am the superfluous ha ha's, following the sound of laughing, laughing, laughing. <laughs> dream. Oh, God, I forgot about the mad dream. <laughs> the stargazer said, I am the bat of the attic, enjoying the melodrama, playing out in my home. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Sister Betty Confessi said, I am Andy, the soulful soft boy, marine biology major and photography dork that you also, that you didn't realise was also a sporty hunk. I am just as dreamy as Ken Matthews. I am Kenoff. <laughs> so good. Oh my God. We got a few oh. references to the Dojo Mojo Casa House as well. Yes. <laughs> Which <laughs> won't say more about in case there's anybody out there who hasn't seen Barbie. But fair, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, go and see Barbie if you like this podcast, you will enjoy it. I think so. Yeah, I did enjoy uh, Maria Teresa Biblioteca said, "I am Sam Diamond's roommate, Roberta <laughs> December. Wondering why my glamorous femme roommate failed to tell me that she attended SVU, which sounds imaginary, and that she's somehow still in touch with some idiot classmate called Ned Wakefield. I'm rethinking this entire relationship now and headed to my favorite bar, Puss in Boots, to take to talk this over with my friends who also have." <laughs> roommates <laughs> <laughs> give us that fan fiction people I love it I love Sam Diamond so much I need more of her <laughs> but we actually did not uh, get the Sam Diamond name pun because I think I was just thinking of like Diamond like you know it is a surname like Mike hmm. D from the Beastie Boys hmm. but uh, Lady Sana one said ah yes private detective Sam Diamond the lesser of the famous private eye Sams always <laughs> in the shadow of famous detective Sam Spade <laughs> but, but Sam Diamond's presence makes one hope for the existence of private eye Sam Harsh and Sam Club so <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be surprised if that happens um because seriously, this series love a cheesy pun. So and uh, yeah, Sam Diamond Photog Shan said is definitely played by Kate McKinnon in a cool white suit, kicking oh, ass and God. taking names. Well, now I definitely fancy her, okay? Are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, there, there was also a lot of discussion about the meal quick uh, empire and <laughs> its alleged value. Yeah, I think everybody was quite surprised by how uh, low value it appeared oh, to be. Shocking. Oh my god, ridiculous! Sorry, I'm trying to find, <laughs> trying to find. Oh yes, this, again, this is Maria Teresa back on the case. Uh, did some digging about the frozen dinners industry. So apparently, on Wikipedia, uh, in June 2018, Conagara Brands announced the acquisition of Pinnacle Foods for 8.1 billion. So apparently, the Conagara Brands is it's like a giant American packaged foods corporation. Pinnacle Foods was the company licensed to use like a Swanson frozen dinners name which is this huge brand. But basically, these are like deals that are like billions and billions of dollars in 2018. And we're supposed to believe that in the 90s, Sue was only going to inherit 500k from her mother, a frozen dinner heiress. Come on, justice for me quick. So a lot of theories abound then about uh, Meal Quick being embroiled in scandals about uh, mm. unsavoury meats or tainted meats <laughs> or dubious meats in the mix. So yeah, a lot Wretched, of theories there. Wretched Chinchilla's uh, theory was that its value was almost completely wiped out after the London Journal posed an expose revealing their products contained werewolf meat. <laughs> Vivian surely said at least it wasn't people, but Wretched Chinchilla said, I don't know, has anyone seen Mandy Farmer and Tad Johnson lately? Oh my God, the blood thickens. <laughs> um, by the way, we asked somebody, uh, we asked you all, if you, if anybody could uh, mock up uh, Caroline we, uh, as Gollum. And thank you to Jessica Taylor on Twitter, who did give us a picture of Gollum Pierce. And it's It's quite accurate, I think. It's it's both accurate and horrifying. (laughs) But thank you so much for sending it to us because it's fucking great. (laughs) That I would like to see on a cover. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all bets are off. Like, they've forgotten what Caroline looks like a long time ago. If we ever see her on a cover again, she could have, like, she could have blonde hair because they just do not care about this. No, they've they've run out of fucks for these covers 100%. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? Do any old shit. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, thank you so much for uh, for for sharing your images, your theories. Continue to tag yourself, please, because it is always hilarious. Oh like, God. I wish we had time to read out every single one, but it's they... So good. We love <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for the offers of Sweet Valley University Books. This very afternoon, a package arrived at my door from Wait. listener Elizabeth. I don't know oh. if you want to give your full name with a, a, just an abundance oh, of wow. SVUs. And uh, that I appreciate it so much. Um, so uh Please do keep your offers coming. As as we did say on um, Pi Beta Alpha last week, if you do have any spares, and by the way, I will pay postage. Like I'm mm. not expecting you oh, yeah. to like ship these things from America or Australia or wherever. Um, you know, if any of you are in Ireland, like I could just meet you. Yeah, just, but, uh, <laughs> you just hang out for a bit and give us your books. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, do do please email us at svhpodcast at gmail.com because the thing with DMs, especially on Instagram, is that they do get lost quite quickly. So I know mm. we've had a few offers um, that I think we've missed because 
obviously the DMs on Instagram is just the same spot as like just react, you know, yeah. emoji reactions to stories and stuff and stuff disappears really quickly before you can reply. So uh, thank you so much for for all the the offers so far. And uh, yeah, I, I, I know there were a few emails after last week's episode, so I will get back to you ASAP because uh, as I said on Pipeida Alpha last week, I have a copy of the first one and it is actually kind of good, like properly good. I mean, so, yeah, you see, you keep saying that, but the thought of Sweet Valley being good on purpose, I just, I, know. I don't buy it. <laughs> it I know. doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I mean, when I say good, like the bar is low. However, <laughs> it is underground. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, just bear that in mind. But like, it's depiction of Liz not fitting in a college and basically losing her sister and her friends is uh, it's actually quite poignant. So, um, uh, I mean, I had completely forgotten how terrifyingly, I do remember there were like white supremacists in Sweet Valley, but I had forgotten that they are quite mainstreamed. So that is the one thing that I would warn anybody who is Mm. picking up this, uh, this series is that it does attempt to deal with some quite uh, serious topics, but it is weirdly gripping. I mean, I, I feel ashamed of saying these words about anything from the Francine Pascal universe, but like... These last six years meant nothing. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just, I'm just going to give up right now on the podcast. I'm sorry, I've gone to the dark side. Oh, in fact, I think the day this goes out is the 10th and that actually <gasps> is our birthday. We <gasps> are not organised because if we were, we would have made something of that. <laughs> but yeah, it's six years of double love. Happy birthday to Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> and uh, thank you to all our listeners, both those who've been with us, God help you, from the very beginning and those who discovered us later on. Um, we know from uh, from your emails and messages that uh, quite a few of you have discovered us, you know, mm. in more recent times. And honestly, God help you guys who yeah. powered through like <laughs> five or six years of podcasts in a matter of months because that just can't be good for you. <laughs> As they get longer and madder <laughs> with every year. We just hope you're all okay. <laughs> well, if you still can't get enough of us uh, with an episode every two weeks, um, we are, of course, recapping the Sweet Valley High TV series over in the Pi Beta Alpha Clubhouse. And you can find out more about that by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yep. So if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up to support the show. Uh, and when you do so, you can do it for as little as five euro a month. Uh, and that gets you access to all our bonus content, which is, of course, our parallel series, Pi Beta Alpha, where we're hanging out in the clubhouse. We are doing our best not to be like wildly thirsty over Winston. And we always fail. We always uh, fail. <laughs> Every oh single episode. Every single time. <laughs> it might be like only recently I was like, I am going to be normal about Winston in this episode. I was not. <laughs> no. Didn't happen. So, <laughs> so he was dressed up as an old timey director. What were we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So it's loads of fun. It's fucking chaos. Uh, it's great crack because the episodes, like, honestly, you think you get a handle on that series and then something completely deranged happens. And we're oh. just like, did did that actually happen? What's going on? Uh, but it's great fun. So do join us uh, for uh, the off weeks between Double Love episodes if you want even more of us cackling in your ears. Indeed. And remember, if you sign up, you'll have access to our entire backlist and you will get the super secret uh, RSS feed to put in your mm. podcatcher of choice. So, you know, you, you don't have to listen to these bonus episodes on the Headstuff Plus website. You can just listen to them as you would any other podcast. Um, so we will see our... <laughs> 
our Pi Beta Alpha siblings mm-hmm. over in the clubhouse next week when we find out what happens when a star is torn. Ooh, okay. They've got some good puns in recently. Mm, they've been good. Yeah, it's been pretty solid lately. Good wordplay. Yeah, we had shakes, fries and videotapes last oh, time. which Still was the number one. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see you there for A Star is Torn. But we will see everybody in the main feed in two weeks time. When it's Christmas. <laughs> I mean, we literally had Christmas in The Evil Twin. And we had that episode, even though we are doing two, you know, splitting everything. It's a book a month basically now. And like that was long after our actual, you it was actual human Christmas for us. Human Christmas, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to Sweet Valley Christmas. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like the real world at <laughs> Barbie Land. Yes, actual human Christmas for actual humans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I gotta dig out those jingle bells for the next one. That's all I know. <laughs> oh shit! I should because we're gonna have Christmas in August. Hell yeah! <laughs> what are we, Australia? <laughs> I mean, in fairness, the weather here is more like December. So, you know. True. But uh, yeah, we will be celebrating Christmas, I guess. <laughs> Not human Christmas, sweet Valley no. Christmas. <laughs> uh, seriously, watching Barbie has affected my brain. <laughs> so, yes, we will see you back here in two weeks' time when the twins <laughs> celebrate another. <laughs> Not that long after <laughs> decking the holds with bloody bodies. Oh, yeah. <gasps> they're going to celebrate a deadly Christmas. Oh, my God. Part one. <laughs> <laughs> See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, oh, oh. oh bye, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Barbie. <laughs> This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.